Book Three, Chapter Fourteen of the Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Guinan. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah Grand. Book Three, Chapter Fourteen. Malta was enlivened that winter by a joke which Mrs. Guthrie Brimston made without intending it mrs malcolmson had written a book she was thirty years of age and had been married to a military man for ten and in that time she had seen some things which had made a painful impression upon her and suggested ideas that were only to be got rid of by publishing them ideas cease to belong to an author as soon as they are made public if they are new at all somebody else appropriates them and if they are old as alas most of them must be at this period of the world's progress the mistaken reproducer is relieved of the horrid responsibility by kindly critics promptly blessed is the man who never flatters himself with the delusion that he can do anything original for verily he shall not be disappointed mrs malcolmson made no such vain pretension she was quite clever enough to know her own limitations exactly out of everyday experiences everyday thoughts had come to her and when she began to embody such thoughts in words she did not suppose that their everyday character would be altered by that process she had not met any of those perfect beings who inhabit the realms of ideal prose fiction and make no mistakes but such as are necessary to keep the story going nor any of the terrible demons without a redeeming characteristic who haunt the dim confines of the same territory for purposes invariably benign but it never occurred to her to pretend that she had she was a simple artist educated in the life school of the world and desiring above everything to be honest a naturalist in fact with positive ideas of right and wrong and incapable of the confusion of minor laxity of conscience which denies on the one hand that wrong may be pleasant in the doing or claims on the other with equal untruth that because it is pleasant it must be if not exactly right at all events excusable so she endeavoured to represent things as she saw them things real not imaginary and when her characters spoke they talked of the interests which were daily discussed in her presence and expressed themselves as human beings do she was too independent to be conventional and it was therefore inevitable that she should bring both yelp and bray upon herself and be much misunderstood when asked why she had written the book she answered candidly for my own benefit of course which caused a perfect howl of disapprobation for if that were her object there could be no doubt that she would attain it as the book had been a success from the first but as people had hastily concluded that she was setting up for a social reformer and would fail they were naturally disgusted they had been prepared to call the supposed attempt great presumption on her part but when they found that she had merely her own interests in view and had not let their moral welfare cost her a thought they said she was not right-minded whereupon she observed i don't mind having my morals attacked but i should object to be pulled up for my grammar meaning that she was sure of her morals but was half afraid that her grammar might be shaky as is inevitable however under such circumstances this obvious interpretation was rejected and the most uncharitable construction put upon her words 
it was said among other things that she evidently could not be moral at heart whatever her conduct might be because she made mention of immorality in her book her manner of mentioning the subject was not taken into consideration because such sheep cannot consider they can only criticize the next thing they did therefore was to take out the incident in the book which was most likely to damage her reputation and declare that it was autobiographical there was one man who knew exactly when the thing had occurred who the characters were and all about it nunc demetus said mrs malcolmson when she heard the story for the same thing had been said of the author of any book of consequence that has ever appeared and naturally she was somewhat puffed up but it remained for mrs guthrie brimston to cap the criticisms her smouldering antagonism to mrs malcolmson was kept alight by a strong suspicion she had that mrs malcolmson was wont to ridicule her and as a matter of fact the best jokes of that winter were made by mrs malcolmson at the expense of mrs guthrie brinston it was not likely therefore that the latter would spare mrs malcolmson if she ever had an opportunity of crushing her and she watched and waited long for a chance until at last one night at a dinner-party she thought the auspicious moment had arrived and hastened to take advantage of it but unfortunately for her she chose a weapon she was unaccustomed to handle and in her awkwardness she injured herself mr price was giving the dinner and mrs malcolmson was not there but the cochrans and sillingers were and other friends of hers kindly disposed cultivated people who spoke well of her and were all agreed in their praise of her work mrs guthrie brimston stiffened as she listened to the remarks but held her peace for a time with thin lips compressed and rising ire apparent i cannot class the book said colonel sillinger it does not claim to be fact exactly and yet it is not fiction not a novel but a novelty major guthrie brimston put in clasping his hands on his breast twiddling his thumbs and setting his head on one side the business with which he usually accompanied one of his facetious sallies what i admire most about mrs malcolmson is her courage said mr price she ignores no fact of life which may be usefully noticed and commented upon but gives each in its natural order without affectation do you not agree with me he asked turning to mrs guthrie brinston who was standing beside him her nostrils flapped if you mean to say that you like mrs malcolmson's book i do not agree with you she answered decidedly i consider it improper simply there was a momentary silence such as sometimes precedes a burst of applause at a theatre and then there was laughter such an objection from such a quarter was considered too funny and when it became known there was quite a run upon the book for mrs guthrie's brimston stories were familiar to the members of all the messes naval and military in and about the island not to mention the club men and the curiosity to know what she did consider an objectionable form of impropriety and narrative made mrs malcolmson's fortune from that time forward however mrs guthrie brimston's influence was perceptibly upon the wane even colonel cochrane wearied of her to evadine's great regret for mrs guthrie brimston's vulgarity and coarseness of mind were always balanced by her undoubted propriety of conduct and her faults were altogether preferable to the exceeding polish and refinement which covered the absolutely corrupt life of a new acquaintance colonel cochrane had made at this time 
a mrs drinkworthy who would not have lingered alone with him anywhere in public but dressed sumptuously at his expense the whole season the different estimation in which he held the two ladies and his respect for evadine herself was emphasized by the fact that he never brought mrs drinkworthy to the cochrane house nor encouraged evadine to associate with her as he had always encouraged her to associate with mrs guthrie brimston and there can be no doubt that the latter's influence was restraining for after his allegiance to her relaxed evadine noticed new changes for the worse in him and regretted them all the more because she feared that a chance remark of her own had had something to do with weaning him from the guthrie brimstons she had been having tea with him there one day and on their way home colonel cochrane said something to her about the guthrie brimstons bang been unusually amusing they only seemed unusually talkative to me she answered but i always come away from their house depressed and with a very low estimate of human nature generally i feel that their mockery is essentially the fume of little minds and when they are particularly facetious at other people's expense i leave them with the pleasing certainty that our own peculiarities will be put under the microscope as soon as we are out of earshot a species of inquisition from which no human being can escape with dignity colonel cochrane reflected upon this his horror of being made to appear ridiculous may have hitherto blinded him to the possibility of such a thing there is no knowing but at all events it was from that time forward that he began to go less to the guthrie brimstons he was just at the age however when the manners of certain men begin to deteriorate especially in domestic life their capacity for pleasure has been lessened by abuse and they have to excite it with stimulants they become less careful in their appearance are not particular in their choice of words before the ladies of their own families nor nice in their manners at table if not already married they look about for something young and docile on which to inflict their ill-humours and expect to have their maladies of mind and body tenderly cared for in return for such ecstatic joy as young wives find in the sober certainties of board and lodging should they be married already however heaven be good to their wives for they will have no comfort upon earth but doubtless in the good time coming all estimable wives will subscribe to keep up asylums to which their husbands can be quietly removed for treatment so soon after the honeymoon as their manners show signs of deterioration when they begin to be greedy forget to say please thank you and i beg your pardon show no consideration for any one's comfort but their own no natural affection and lose control of their tempers the best thing that can be done for them and the kindest is to place them under proper restraint at once they cannot be treated at home opposition irritates them and humouring such dreadful propensities submissively only confirms them the deterioration of colonel cochrane had certainly been delayed by the arrangement which in honour bound him to treat evident as a young lady and not as a wife but that it should set in eventually was inevitable when it did begin however it was less in manner for the same reason that had delayed it that in pursuits and therefore evidence position was not affected by it and she continued to have a kindly affectionate feeling for him and to pity him still without bitterness he began to stay out late at night at this time and she would hear him occasionally in the small hours of the early morning returning from a bachelor dinner party or a big guest night at mess reeking doubtless of tobacco and stimulants 
verily oida knows what she is writing about when she invariably adds essences to the toilet of her dissipated men evadin would wake with a start in the gray of the dawn sometimes and hearing colonel cochrane pass her door with unsteady step on his way to his own room would shudder to think what his wife must have suffered and it was not as if the sacrifice of herself would have made any difference to him either if she could have done any good in that way she might have tried but his habits were formed and they were the outcome of his nature nothing would have changed him and the longer she lived with him the more reason she had to be convinced of this and to be sure that her decision had been a right and wise one but colonel cochrane did not agree with her he cherished the vain delusion that although her influence as a young lady whom he admired and respected had not availed to elevate him her presence as a wife whose feelings he certainly would not have felt bound to consider and whose opinion he would not have cared a rap for would have made all the difference they drifted into a discussion of this subject one hot afternoon when he happened to find evadin idly for a wonder with a fan at an open window you might have made anything you liked of me had you adopted a different course he said he had been carousing the night before and was now mistaking nausea and depression for a naturally good disposition perverted by ill-treatment no she answered gently i do not flatter myself that i should have succeeded where mrs beston and half a dozen other ladies i could name even here in a little place like malta all more lovable estimable and stronger in womanly attributes generally than i am have failed colonel beston is always with your particular clique and she is very unhappy she makes herself miserable then said colonel cochrane the natural man reappearing as the malaise passed off or was forgotten what business is it of hers where he goes or what he does so long as he is nice to her when he is at home just reverse the position and consider what colonel beston's feelings would be if she took to amusing herself as he does and maintained that he had no business to interfere with her private pursuits would he be satisfied so long as she was nice to him at home evadin asked colonel cochrane's countenance lowered that is nonsense he said women are different they must behave themselves evadin smiled i am beginning to know that phrase she said it puzzled me at first because it is neither reason nor argument but merely an assertion somewhat in the nature of a command and equally applicable to either sex if the other chose to use it but i know that what you have just said with regard to mrs beston having no occasion to make herself miserable is your true feeling on the subject and therefore i am convinced that if i had adopted a different course it would not have been to your advantage in any way and it would certainly have been very much to the reverse of mine we are excellent friends as it is because we are quite independent of each other but had it been otherwise i shudder to think of the hopeless misery of it cochrane was silent there is no hope for me then he said at last lamely i suppose the truth of the matter is you never cared for me at all you just thought you would get married and accepted me because i was the first person to propose and your friends considered me eligible i think you are cold-hearted evadin i've watched you since you came out here and i've never seen you fancy any man even for a moment evadin flushed angrily it is one thing to consider ethical questions in relation to their bearing upon the future of the world at large and another to have it suggested that you have been under observation yourself with a view to discovering if you found it possible to live up to your own ideas 
it was a fact however that no man attracted evident during this period as colonel cochrane himself had done the shock of the discovery which had destroyed her passion for him had caused a revulsion of feeling great enough to subdue all further possibilities of passion for years to come and even if she had been free to marry she would not have done so all the energy of her nature had flashed from her heart to her brain in a moment and every instinct of her womanhood was held in check by the superior power of intellect since the day of the marriage ceremony she had been a child in her pleasures and only mature in the capacity for thought her senses had been stunned and still slept heavily but there remained to her a vivid recollection of the entrancing period which had followed their first awakening and so she answered colonel cochrane's last remark decidedly you are mistaken she said if you imagine that i did not care for you that i was merely marrying you for the sake of marrying and would have been quite as content with any one else whom my friends might have considered eligible my mother was very much disappointed because i did not accept an offer i had before i saw you from a man who was certainly eligible in every way i think you said my father had told you of it i could not care for him but i think my passion for you was blinder and more headlong if anything than is usually the case in very young girls it possessed me from the moment i saw you in church the first time you pleased my eyes as no other man has ever done and i was only too glad to take it for granted that your career and your character were all that they ought to have been but of course i did not love you for passion you know is only the introduction to love it is a flame that may be blown out at any time by a difference of opinion and mine went out the moment i learnt that your past had been objectionable i really care more for you now than i did in the days when i was in love with you for you have been very good to me very kind in every possible way so much so indeed that i have more than once felt the keenest regret i have wished that there was no barrier between us there is no hope for me then he again suggested but with hope in his heart as he spoke she shook her head sadly it is what might have been that i regret she answered but that does not change what has been and is i suppose you consider that i have spoiled your life he said oh no she exclaimed i don't think that don't blame yourself i have never blamed you since i was cool enough to reflect it is the system that is at fault the laxity which permits any one however unfit to enter upon the most sacred of all human relations saints should find a reward for sanctity in marriage but the church with that curious want of foresight for which it is peculiar induced the saints to put themselves away in barren celibacy so that their saintliness could not spread while it encouraged sinners satiated with vice to transmit their misery-making propensities from generation to generation i believe firmly that marriage when those who marry are of such character as to make the contract holy matrimony is a perfect state fulfilling every law of our human nature and making earth with all its drawbacks a heaven of happiness but such marriages as we see contracted every day are simply a degradation of all the higher attributes which distinguish men from beasts for there is no contract more carelessly made more ridiculed more lightly broken no sacred subject that is oftener blasphemed and nothing else in life affecting the dignity and welfare of man which is oftener attacked with a vulgar verbality in public or outraged in private by the secret conduct of it no you are not to blame nor am i 
it is not our fault that we form the junction of the old abuses and the new modes of thought some two people must have met as we have for the benefit of others but it has been much better with us than it might have been thanks to your kindness i have been quite happy here with you much happier than i should have been at frelinghay i think all this time you have never interfered with my pursuits or endeavoured to restrict my liberty in any way and consequently my occupations and interests have been more varied and my content greater than it would have been at home after my father had discovered how very widely we differ in opinion i am grateful to you george and i do hope that it has been as well with you as it has been with me since i came to malta oh yes i have been all right he answered in a quite dissatisfied tone however but presently that passed and then he slid into a better frame of mind you are a good woman evidon he said you have played me a a uh, very nasty trick and i don't agree with you and i don't believe there are a dozen men in the world at the present moment who would agree with you but apart from your peculiar opinions you are about one of the nicest girls i ever knew everything you do is well done you're never out of temper you don't speak much as a rule but you're always ready to respond cheerfully when you're spoken to and you don't interfere i wish from the bottom of my soul you had never been taught to read and write and then you would have had no views to come between us but since you think you cannot care for me i shall not persecute you i gave you my word of honour that i never would and i hope i have kept it yes indeed you have been goodness itself she answered i wrote and told your father how very well we got on he continued and tried to persuade him to make it up with you but the old gentleman is obstinate he has his own notion of a wife's duty and he sticks to it but i did my best because i know you feel the separation from your own family although you never complain he can't get over your wanting a christ-like man for a husband he says he laughs every time he thinks of it the first time he laughed at that idea of yours i was there and a uh, very unpleasant laugh it was i got my back up somehow and made me feel ready to take your part against him it isn't a compliment you know to have your father-in-law laugh outright at the notion of your ever being able to come up to your wife's idea of what a man should be and when he came down raging about your books it was the recollection of that laugh i believe that made me determined to get them for you i asked your mother to show me your old rooms and i just took all the books i could find and then i thought it would be a good idea to make your new rooms look as much like the old ones as possible it was a very kind thought evidin answered i don't pretend to have been a saint very much the contrary colonel cochrane proceeded with that assumption of humility often apparent in the repentant sinner who expects to derive both credit and importance from his past when he frankly confesses it was wicked but i hope i have always been a gentleman with her saint and gentleman were synonymous terms and what i want to say is he continued i don't quite see how to put it but you have just expressed yourself satisfied with the arrangements i have made for you so far well if you really think that i have done all i can to make your life endurable will you do something for me i am a good deal older than you are in all human probability you will outlive me will you promise me that during my lifetime you will not mix yourself up publicly will not join societies make speeches or publish books which people would know you had written on the social subjects you are fond of fond of she ejaculated well perhaps that is not the right expression he conceded 
no very far from the right expression she answered gently social subjects seem to be forcing themselves on the attention of every thoughtful and right-minded person just now and it would be culpable cowardice to shun them while there is the shadow of a hope that some means may be devised to put right what is so very wrong ignoring an evil is tantamount to giving it full license to spread but i am thankful to say i have never known any one who found the knowledge of evil anything but distressing except mrs guthrie brimston and she only delights in it so long as it is made a jest of but they are all alike in that set she belongs to their ideas of propriety are bounded by their sense of pleasure so long as you talk flippantly they will listen and laugh but if you talk seriously on the same subject you make the matter disagreeable and then they call it improper colonel cochrane was standing with his arms folded on the parpret of the veranda looking down a vista of yellow houses at a glimpse there was of the sea dotted with boats hazy with heat intensely blue and sparkling back reflections of the glaring sun from where evidence sat she saw the same scene through the open balustrade over the tops of the orlanders growing in the garden below and gradually the heat and stillness and beauty stole over her melting her mood to tenderness and filling her mind with sadly sweet memories of the days of delight which preceded all this she thought of the yellow gorse on the common recalling its peculiar fragrance of the misty cobwebs stretched from bush to bush and decked with dazzling drops of dew of the healthy happy health creatures peeping out of her shyly here a rabbit and there a hare of a lark that sprang up singing and was lost to sight in a moment of a thrush that paused to reflect as she passed she thought of the little church on the high cliffs the bourne of her morning walks of the long stretch of sand and of the sea and she felt the fresh free air of those open spaces rouse her again to a gladness in life not often known to ladies idling on languid afternoons in the sickly heat essential to the well-being of citron orange and myrtle beloved of the mythical fawn but fatal to the best energies of the human race and by a very natural transition her mind leaped on to that morning in church when the sense of loneliness which comes to all young creatures that have no mate resolved itself into the silent supplication the petition which it is a part of the joy of life and youth to present to a heaven which is willing enough to hear and she recalled the thrill of delight that trembled through every nerve of her body when she looked up and found her answer when she saw and recognized what she sought in the glance which flashing between them was the spark that first fired the train of her blind passion for colonel cochrane she thought then that her prayer was answered at that moment and she believed still that it had been answered so but for a special purpose which she had not then perceived colonel cochrane was not the husband of her heart but the rod of chastisement for her rash presumption he had not been given to her for her own happiness but that she might act as she had done to set an example by which she should have the double privilege of expiating a fault of her own and at the same time securing the peace and life of others it was in this way there hummed in her brain on that hot afternoon results of the faith which had been held by her ancestors of the teaching which she had herself received directly with a curious glimmering of truths that were already half apparent to her own acute faculties an incongruous jumble all leavened by the natural instincts of a being rich in vitality and wholesome physical force with a recollection of the old days came back the shadow of the old sensation 
the interval was forgotten for the moment she saw before her the man whose very glance and word had thrilled her with pleasurable emotion whom it had been a joy just to be with and see it was the same man leaning there fine of form and feature with a dreamy look in his blue eyes softening the glitter which was apt to be hard and stony if only at that moment colonel cochrane looked round at her hesitated although his face flushed and then exclaimed evident you do love me i did love you she answered he sat down beside her close to her will you forget all this he said will you forget my past will you make me a different man will you you can he half stretched out his hand to take hers but then drew back a gentleman always in that he would not force her inclinations in any way if i do not change we can be again as we are now and there would be no harm done will you consent evadin will you my wife will you he leaned forward so close that her senses were troubled too close for she pushed her chair back to relieve herself of the oppression and the act irritated him another moment a little more persuasion and caressing of the voice which he could use so well to that effect and she might have given in to that kind of fascination which she had felt in his presence from the first but when she moved he drew back too his countenance clouded and her own momentary yearning to be held close close to be kissed till she could not think to live the intoxicating life of the senses only and not care was over we could never be again as we are now she answered there would be no return for me a wife cannot feel as i do and you you would not change or at least you would only change your habits the consequence of them you will carry to your grave with you and i doubt if you could ever change your habits once for all you were a different man for a while when i first came out but you soon relapsed no i can never regret my present attitude but i have seen several times already how much reason i should have to regret a different arrangement you make light of love he said many a girl has died of a disappointment many a girl is a fool she answered placidly and what can love offer me in exchange for the calm content of my life just now for my perfect health for my freedom from care a reconciliation with your family he suggested she sighed and sat silent a little lost in thought i do not live with my family now she answered at last they have all their own interests their own loves apart from mine would a letter or two a year from them make up after all for the risk of misery i should be running for the terrible helpless hopeless incurable misery of an unhappily married woman if i should become one he rose and returned to his old position leaning over the veranda looking down to the sea you are cold-blooded i think evident he derated she said nothing but rested her head on the back of her chair and smiled she was not cold-blooded and he knew it as well as she did she was only a nineteenth-century woman of the higher order with senses so refined that if her moral as well as her physical being were not satisfied in love both would revolt they were silent some time after that and then he turned to her once more will you promise me that one thing evident he answered promise me that during my lifetime you will never mix yourself up never take part publicly in any question of the day it would be too deuced ridiculous for me you know to have my name appearing in the papers in connection with measures of reform and all that sort of thing i promise to spare you that kind of annoyance and at all events she answered without hesitation making the promise not because she was infirm of purpose 
but because she was indefinite she had no impulse at the time to do anything and no notion that she would ever feel impelled to act in opposition to this wish of his thank you he said and there was another little pause which he was again the first to break you would have loved me then if i had lived a different life he said yes she answered simply i should have loved you no other man has made me feel for a moment what i felt for you well i believe that you were all that a man should be who proposes to marry and i don't think any other man ever will you were born for me why oh why did you not live for me i wish to god i had he answered she rose impulsively and stretched out her hands to him it was a moment of pain and pity sorrow and sympathy and he understood it you meant to marry always she said you treasured in your heart your ideal of a woman why could you not have lived so that you would have been her ideal too when at last you met he took her two little outstretched hands and held them a moment in his looking down at them i wish to god i had he repeated did it ever occur to you that a woman has her ideal as well as a man she said that she loves purity and truth and loathes degradation and vice more than a man does theoretically yes he answered but you find practically that women will marry any one if they were more particular we should be more particular too ah that is our curse said evadin yours and mine if women had been more particular in the past you would have been a good man and i should have been a happy wife to-day he raised her hands which he was still holding placing them palm to palm took them in one of his and clasped them to his chest bringing her very close to him and then he looked into her upturned face considering it with that curious set expression on his own which always came at a crisis her lips were parted her cheeks were pale she still panted from the passion of her last utterance and her eyes as he looked down into them were pained in expression and fixed he let her hands drop and once more returned to his old position leaning upon the bolstrade with his back to her looking out over the sea if it had been possible to have obtained the mastery he had dreamed of over her mere animal mastery the thought would have repelled him now he might have dominated her senses but her soul would only have been the more confirmed in his loathing of his life he knew the strength of her convictions knew that so long as they were a few yards apart she could always have ruled both herself and him and life is lived a few yards apart it was the best side of his nature that was under evidence influence and he had now some saving grace of manhood in him which enabled him to appreciate the esteem with which she had begun to repay his consideration for her and to admire the consistent self-respect which had brought her triumphantly out of all her difficulties and won her a distinguished position in the place he felt that he ought to be satisfied and knew that he would have to be she remained standing as he had left her and presently he turned to her again forgive me he said for provoking a discussion which has pained you needlessly if repentance and remorse could wipe out the past i should be worthy to claim you this minute but i know you are right there might have been hours of intoxication but there would have been years of misery also for you as my wife your decision was best for both of us it was our only chance of peace he looked at her wistfully and approached a step she met him more than half-way she put her hands on his shoulders and looked up at him 
but we are friends george she said with emotion i seem to have nobody now but you belonging to me and i should be lonely indeed if she suddenly burst into tears yes yes he said huskily of course we are friends the best friends we shall always be friends i have never let anyone say a word against you and i never will i am proud to think that you are known by my name i only wish that i could make it worthy of you and perhaps some day in the field poor fellow the highest proof of moral worth he knew was to be able to take a prominent part in some great butchery of his fellow-men without exhibiting a symptom of fear evident had recovered herself and now smiled up at him with wet eyelashes not there i hope she answered going to war and getting killed is not a proof of affection and respect which we modern women care about i would rather keep you safe at home and quarrel with you colonel cochrane smiled here's tea he said seeing a servant enter the room behind them shall we have it out here we shall be cooler yes by all means she answered and then they began to talk of things indifferent but with a new and happy consciousness of an excellent understanding between them end of book three chapter fourteen recording by judy guinan